This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with William Vanderblumen. He is the CEO and founder of Vanderblumen, a leading executive search firm. They help organizations find key people, plug them into the right places, the right positions. And based on that experience, he is here to talk about his brand new book, Be the Unicorn, which is all about 12 data-driven habits that separate the best leaders from the rest. And leading off in this conversation, I just got to say, one of the topics we've touched on a number of times in other conversations, other episodes, is self-awareness. And it all leads from that. And then we dive into some of the 12 data-driven habits from Be the Unicorn, and especially lean into how these are soft skills, human skills, things that an AI cannot replace that make you truly unique. And these are things you can learn, practice, train for, and hone so that you are irreplaceable. In other words, you're a unicorn. So if you're looking to level up your skills and stand out like a unicorn at your current position or reach for that future position that you really want, this is the episode for you. So enjoy this conversation with William Vanderblumen. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, William Vanderblumen. William, welcome to Beyond the To-Do List. Thanks, Eric. I've been looking forward to this. It's on my to-do list. Nice. Same here. It's something to check off for me. But this conversation is not just another task for me to check off. I've been looking forward to this because you've got a brand new book out with a forward by John Maxwell, by the way. Great job. It's called Be the Unicorn, 12 Data-Driven Habits that Separate the Best Leaders from the Rest. And we'll go into kind of some of the 12 and dive deep into maybe some more than others. But my biggest question right up front is, in your background and in your experience, what was it that led you to having this kind of curated skill of noticing these qualities in people? How did that come about? Well, I've always been able to uh, recognize people more talented than me, which is a whole lot of people. There's that. But just by way of background, I, for 15 years, have run an executive search firm. We have a lot of side services that we do, but the core business that we have is people hire us to find their next best talented person. And it's usually toward the top of the org chart. So we kind of get paid to spot the mythically talented candidate. I call them the unicorns, right? We've been doing this for a while now, but even before I started the company, I don't know, Eric, you ever have this happen? You run into somebody and you meet them, maybe it's at a, a social function or Maybe it's work or the interview or something. And within five minutes, you're like, this one is special. This one's different. When I was younger and thought I knew everything, I would try and hire those people immediately. 
because they're a rare find. I figured out that was not a good idea. You have to do a little more work than just that. But I've always wondered, like, what are they doing in that first five minutes? What is it that captures me like that, right? And fast forward 15 years, we've completed 3,000 executive searches, which is mind-boggling to me. I can't believe that. And then uh, during that pandemic thing we had, I don't know if you remember, like... Yeah, it's fuzzy brain. Oh, my gosh. Every one of our clients was closed indefinitely, Eric. That's not good for business. You can see in the video, my degree is behind me. It's a philosophy and religion degree. You you don't learn a lot of business skills with religion and philosophy, right? I told my kids the question that philosophy majors ask all of their career is, would you like fries with that? You know, it's like not the most helpful. So I learned during the pandemic, another on-the-job sort of business learning that if all of your clients shut down indefinitely, your calendar frees up pretty good. And we were able to drop back as a team and say, okay, so we're 12 years in and we've now done with the most talented people at any search that we do, not just anyone that might qualify, but people who've gotten through two, three, four virtual interviews, we'll go sit down and have a face-to-face interview with them. It's the most talented. And we realized that that long format interview that we do, we've done 30,000 of them. And so, you know, I've gotten to an age now, Eric, where I tell people, you know, I don't know your organization as well as you do. I'm probably not as smart as you are, but sometimes wisdom is born out of pure repetitions. And I hope you haven't done 3,000 executive searches. That would be bad or 30,000 interviews. I wouldn't say much about your company, but I do have some repetitions. So we asked ourselves, we've got 30,000 of the best we've ever interviewed. And I'm still thinking back to that question. What do people do in the first five minutes that captures me? What is it about these people, right? And so we said, I wonder if we could figure out within the 30,000 who the very best of those are. And fortunately for me, I started our company on a card table and just kind of duct tape, paper clip the whole thing together. But over the years, we've been able to hire some really detail-oriented people that are not like me. They've kept track of all the interviews, where everybody's gone that we've placed and where they've gone since we placed them. And so 30,000 top talent people, we were able to say, okay, who are the best of the best? And then we said, do they have anything in common? And the answer was, yeah, they do. And it was stunningly consistent. And it was a list that was an absolute surprise. It was nothing like I thought it would be. You know, we started this research project because we're in pandemic. We had time on our hands. But we also thought, you know, if we could learn to spot these people quicker, we'll be a better search firm, right? So this was a very selfish project to start. What we realized was these commonalities that the unicorns have, it's not what you would think. It's not they all have an IQ of 160. It's not they all went to Ivy League schools. It's not socioeconomic. It's not racial ethnic. It's not even as simple as, uh, well, he was the quarterback and she was the head cheerleader. No, none of that. It was 12 habits that we noticed in each of these unicorns that they just seem to default to that are very common among unicorns and incredibly uncommon among the rest of us. And then the punchline was every one of them is learnable. Yeah. You know, if I wanted to learn how to win the NBA slam dunk competition, I'm going to walk away pretty frustrated. Like I'm Dutch. We're not tall. We're built for wind. You know, like (laughs) it doesn't matter how much I train, how much I try. It's not going to work. What we uncovered in our little selfish study to try and spot unicorns was actually a roadmap 
to helping people become a unicorn. That moved us away from a selfish project to one that's like, we got to put this in people's hands. I think, I don't know if this is true for you or your listeners, but I think it's noisier than ever out in the world. It's more crowded than ever in the workplace or the side hustle or whatever you're trying to get done. And it, it leaves me feeling like, what do I do to stand out in a good way? How do I be the one that's remembered? Be the one that within five minutes, people meet me and say, oh my gosh, this one's different. Stand out like a unicorn. Yeah, like a unicorn. Yeah. I had to fight to get the title in there. You know, business book people want very business-driven titles, the seven ingredients to better sales. I'm like, no, 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 no. Unicorn stand out. We're going to do that. The second title, interestingly, I'm kidding when I say this, but a second title for the book could have been, so it turns out mom might have been right. Because I heard all this growing up. In fact, if you showed the table of contents to me, I'd be like, duh. Why did I pay you for this list? But it's it's not my ruminations on what makes a unicorn. It's what the data has shown makes people stand out in the crowd. So I'm hoping it helps a lot of people. Yeah. Well, you refer to the book as a field guide for people who want to level up in life. You mentioned, you know, mom may have been right. You also mentioned earlier your degree and you have a former career as being a pastor, which is also a very weighty role in people's lives, along with mother, you know, and father (laughs) and other, you know, authority figures in some senses or people who guide us towards learning these skills, right? So it's these skills that are learnable because they're soft skills, they're human skills. That's right. You know what they also are, Eric? I think, and I could be wrong, nobody's an expert on this, but I think they're skills that AI will have a very hard time replicating. Agree. This whole AI thing has just been fascinating to me. It's one of the reasons we rushed the book out because we wanted people to, before they freak out, have a way to say, okay, there's a way through this craziness because I guess we could be in the prequel of Terminator, right? And if that's the case, I'm not real sure why we should get worried because we're all going to die. So whatever, you know, if, if that's where we are. The other option, which I think is probably more likely, is this is yet another cycle of human history where we invent something that creates efficiency and that efficiency eliminates some jobs and creates some new jobs. And we have to learn to live alongside it and adapt to what the new jobs are. And the new jobs, I just feel certain as the day is long, the new jobs will be centered around these 12 habits because it's the human input and the human touch that will ultimately matter. Yeah, you're playing my song right there. We've spent the last, basically the last year since chat GPT kind of stepped out and then became mainstream and became part of the vernacular and the initials AI were thrown around in every other sentence for the last year. It feels like this is what we've been talking about. And I've had a lot of people who've been like super worried, others who've been very pro AI. I'm kind of in the middle ground. I'm kind of like you. I'm like, look, there's definitely some things to be concerned about here because bad people or people with bad intentions, I should say, or or whatever you want to put it, can use those tools for negative things. But so can the positive people and the, and the people who are using it for good. And it's got to shake itself out. It's a technology that's new, just like every other one. Well, and not to go too far down a rabbit trail, but I had lunch uh, recently with a friend of mine who's a managing partner at a very large law firm. And uh, he was talking about part of his job is training the first year associates when they start work. So they've gone through three years to law school and they've learned how to dig up facts and do grunt work and all this. And he said, basically kind of told him, you know, you were trained for a world that doesn't exist anymore. 
I said, what do you mean? He said, well, now, like a lot of the grunt work they would have done, AI does. In fact, now you can even, if you want to go out on a limb, you can feed all of the court proceedings into an AI software that will then construct your closing argument that'll be the most compelling one. So it's like, wow. So I went on and asked him, I said, so what's going to make these first-year associates last? And he said, well, it's going to be their people skills. Because at the end of the day, that's what is going to last past any innovation. And it made me feel like, you know, maybe Blind Hog finds an acre and every now and then maybe we stepped into a, a bit of a, a cool roadmap in a season when people are going to need to figure out how to increase their human factor in the workplace and really anywhere you go. So, yeah, great timing. There's 12 of these habits, data-driven habits, and I think, you know, you've probably pulled them together, curated them, some maybe folded in on each other. You know, you got them all nice and neat here. But of these 12, is there any one like, hey, if you're going to just start working on one of them, you use the word habits and habits take time to become habitual. Which one would you say people should start with first? Such a good question. You know, one of the challenges for me in this is the fifth book I've written. It hit me more this time than ever. You know, publishing moves pretty slow. And my publisher's been great. They've moved way ahead of schedule. But I finished writing the book probably nine months ago. And now I've done all the kind of speaking circuit and podcasts and such on the matter. And I feel like I know the material better. I wish I could go reorder the chapters and say, start here first. (laughs) Maybe next time I'll wait a year before I send it to the publisher. But if I were going to say, start here first, I would start with self-awareness. Now, that's one of the 12 habits. And, And why do I say that? Okay, so... So a little bit of the data, we found these unicorns. They were gracious enough to let us survey them about all kinds of things once we had these 12 habits sort of identified. And we we asked them to sort of force rank. Where are you best? What's your top gift? What's your bottom? So self-awareness had the lowest number of people say, that's my top gift. This is the super talented unicorns, okay? We then went and surveyed a quarter million people about the 12 habits. And it was a long survey, but one of the things we did was in each of the 12 habits, we had people rank themselves one through five, three being average, you can do the math, five being way above average and one way below. So self-awareness, least common top gift among all the unicorns, 93% of the general population ranked themselves as above average in self-awareness. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but 93% of a group is not above average. 50% is (laughs) like, it doesn't work that way. So what does that mean? Well, that means self-awareness is the least common top gift and the biggest blind spot for people that are trying to get somewhere and improve. And so if I were going to start somewhere, it would be, how do I get to know myself better? The good, the bad, and the ugly. And some of that's super simple right now. We live in the most amazing time to work on this because you can go, Take the disc or the Enneagram or the strength finders. I mean, there's so many online assessments. You don't have to go lay on somebody's couch to figure out who you are and talk about whatever it is your mother or the thing is that, you know, counseling is great. I'm a fan and a regular, but it's not that hard to get going. You can just get to know yourself. In fact, a little bit of a rabbit trail, but we actually went ahead and built out. We paid a lot of money and built out a software tool. So people can do an assessment of where they stack up next to the unicorns and next to everyone else. So they can see, here are my top three of the 12 habits, here are my bottom three, and here's a development plan for me. That would be a step toward self-awareness. 
But the ones that are self-aware, are, you know, they're just, they're better attuned to what's around them and they're more likely to get hired or promoted. And frankly, they're able to be more helpful to more people. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ultimately, that is a blind spot. If you call yourself self-aware, but you're not self-aware, it's a folding in loop. It's not like I'm faking a finger at people saying, be self-aware. You know, like you mentioned, I'm a recovering preacher. So sorry for the long-winded answers. But, you know, there's this line that Jesus taught when people were criticizing each other or in this one sinful or whatever. And he said something like, hey, you know, before you worry about the splinter in your friend's eye, get the log out of your own. And I used to think Jesus is saying, judge not lest you be judged. Hey, man, go easier on people. Everyone's got problems, that sort of thing. Now I think I've understood another layer of that teaching, and that is until you know yourself and your issues, you're not going to be able to help anybody. And I just think if I could write the book over, I'd say start here now and it'd be self-awareness. Well, and that log or plank, what's funny is the way that that's phrased is 
we typically think that the other person has a log or a plank. Their issue is right. bigger than our ver- – We oh, no, I just have a splinter. They have the log. And the way he says it and flips it, it's like, oh, wait a second. If you really knew yourself, if you were really self-aware, you'd realize you have a bigger issue than they do. And, and it's your perspective that's wrong. Yeah, and it's not even just knowing your your issues. You know, Eric, it's, it's like – so you go to a job interview. What's one of the classic questions? Hey, tell me about yourself. You ever have this question in an interview? Yeah. What's one way you've answered that? Oh, gosh. You know, it, it's hard to know what to do with that. It's like, do I give them a exactly. summary, a bio? Do I say, here's my likes and dislikes? Here's my history? Like, it's hard to know which way to go with that direction-wise. It's a bit of a paralyzing question. So what would happen if, Eric, I'm interviewing with you to come on your amazing podcast and you say to me, tell me about yourself. And I'd say, well, you know, there's a lot I could say here, but let me just focus on this. I am an Enneagram 7. I love the next party. I love the next project. I love variety. I love having to figure things out. I don't mind it being messy. The first job I had right out of school, email was becoming a thing and blogging and all that. And, you know, we had this little company and nobody really knew what they were doing. And, and we had to figure out how to grow our email list. I'd learned MailChimp and then I learned Emma and then I learned Constant Contact. And then finally we found HubSpot. We grew the thing 500% in the first two years and we just had to figure it out. And I loved it. Man, that's the kind of work that fires me up. And then I went to another job at a bigger, more successful company where they asked me to do the same thing the same way every single day. And I thought I was going to lose my mind and probably should have gotten fired. So when I think about coming to work for you, Eric, I see you guys in hockey stick growth. I'm guessing every job description says other duties as necessary. I'm guessing you're like jumping out of the plane and building the parachute on the way down. Like that seems to be the vibe and flow of where you are right now. That's how I'm wired. And that's why I'm excited about our interview, because what you're looking for is the kind of work that I gain the most energy from. That's what I'm learning about myself. You see that answer? Like that's power right there. That's great. And it comes from self-awareness. Yeah. I was going to say it's rooted right there. It's not rooted in having concrete answers so much as being on the journey of those answers continually. It's being a lifelong student. It's not just self-awareness in a snapshot moment. I know myself. No, it's a constant process and journey. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, steal that answer. Just take it. Anybody listening today. You know what else it does? It keeps them from then saying, what's your greatest weakness? That's the worst interview question. It's horrible. <laughs> if you have some self-awareness, I would be terrible as a bookkeeper. You would fire me so fast because it's high detail, same work every day, same hours every day. I would lose my mind and you would lose yours. Yeah, the self-awareness provides that opportunity for you to not just make up some, oh, I work too hard or I, you know, fake a fake <laughs> weakness that they want to hear. I never asked for a raise. <laughs> yeah. So that's a great first opening. The self-aware is one of the data-driven habits. It's number seven. So, yeah, I think you probably would have put it at number one, <laughs> but that's OK. It's totally fine. I want to call out, since this is beyond the to-do list and a productivity show, that number 11 is the productive. I think we could spend a couple of minutes here because we've talked about being self-aware and we've had whole episodes on the Enneagram in the past. So that's really good. And, you know, dig those up, everybody. But um, I think being a unicorn would be, for me, being productive. So what's your view on productivity and 
being the productive number 11. The thing that I wish for rewriting the book, I would say this at the beginning of every chapter. Reader, remember, this is common among unicorns. They bend toward these 12 habits. It's so uncommon among everybody else. And why do I say that now? Because most of us stink at productivity. I mean, we just do. And if you can figure out how to marshal your energy, do the hardest work when you have the most energy, you know, work in your green zones, not your red zones, and make a list and check it off every day, it sounds so simple, but you will stand out of the crowd. Like you just will. You know the Latin word that means tomorrow? Not off the top of my head. Religion and philosophy. Maybe it does help a little bit. The Latin word that means tomorrow is the word crastina. So when you put something off for tomorrow, you're literally procrastinating. And I'm the worst at this. Like, I remember years and years ago, I was a young senior pastor. First place I served as a senior pastor. The church was relocating. We bought land. We were going to rebuild a building. Long story, but we didn't have a place to be on Sundays. So I was looking for where should we be? We had a one solution that wasn't very good. And I was riding around after lunch with a board member who said, you know, that YMCA kind of down the road from our new property, they don't use it on Sundays. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And he said, yeah, I know the chair of the board of that YMCA. I'm like, really? That's cool. He said, yeah, I'll give you his number so you can call him. I'm like, okay. So we get back to the office. He drops me off. He comes in to visit for a minute and he hands me the number of the board chair. And then we talk for, I don't know, five more minutes. And then he looks at me and says, so why haven't you called him yet? And I'm like, Todd, <laughs> I'm sitting talking to you. He said, no, 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 no. I want a place to sit on Sundays. Why are you putting this off? William, the first chance you get to knock something off your list is always the best chance. And I have never forgotten that. I mean, even down to like when I have to turn out of a parking lot left with traffic, usually the first chance you have to pull out is your best one. Otherwise, you just sit there and wait forever and ever and ever. And ever. So, you know, in the book, we offer a case study of who's productive and we offer what we heard from the unicorns about productivity. And then we offer some life hacks for how to add productivity. I'll offer one, if you'd like, of those hacks. Yeah. So the very birth of management consulting in the U.S., which led to McKinsey and Bain and, you know, all the big, wonderful management consulting firms, the very beginning of it, J.P. Morgan hired a guy to raise productivity on his senior team. Okay. So the guy had him do one thing. I want you every day to write down five objectives that will help you get your job's goal accomplished. Not six, not seven, not three, five. Five's achievable. You won't get lost because they're too many. Most people make too big a list. So I want you to get it down to five. If I got these five things done, I would be able to go to bed at night and say, I did a good job today. And I learned this years and years ago when I was a young leader with a different church member who was, uh, he owned a bank and was CEO and very generous guy. I mean, oh my gosh, I've never met someone more generous. And uh, Christmas rolls around and I'm kind of like, what are you going to eat? I want you to come over and pick up a Christmas gift I've got for you. I'm like, this could be really cool, right? And what did he give me? He gave me a little tiny day timer, if anyone's old enough to remember those, like the calendars that you'd carry in your pocket. I mean, it maybe was three inches tall and a couple inches wide. And it was a, a thing they give away at his bank. So like he didn't buy anything for me. And I said, well, thanks so much, Bobby. I'll, I'll just, yeah, I'll use that. And he said, no, no, let me tell you how to use that. I said, okay. 
said, you write down five things you want to get done today that are going to help you with your job and what you're supposed to be getting done and just cross them off and do it for every day. And then you can go back and look. And he said, look at this. And he opened a cabinet in his office and he had 25 years of those little day timers. He said, ask me about a day. I can tell you exactly what I got done every single day. It's just the writing it down, just five things. It leads to amazing productivity. Wow. 25 years. That's great. That's pretty cool. That's why I I use Apple Notes. That's my favorite app is Apple Notes because I have my little productivity list from every day of the year. So I've heard some people say, what are your big three? That's kind of a Michael Hyatt thing. Others, they've got like five or seven. I, I like that you're five because like three, sometimes it's like, okay, I do more than three things in the day and I'm not calling Michael like, hey, what are you talking about? He calls them the big three. So yes, there can be some little things there too. And there's always got to be room for unexpected things too, right? So one of the habits you have in the book, number three, is the agile. You have to be able to, at a moment's notice, pivot or change. In fact, that almost ties into number one, which opens the book the fast because of speed. And that's where we are in this world, in this life. And that's why a lot of people listen to the show is I want to be productive, but I am so busy. Now that's one part over commitment, but also one part, you're not optimizing things. You don't have triage or agile or fast mentality. And when it comes to being able to make snap decisions with wisdom, which I think comes from self-awareness, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the whole, uh, agility thing. Everybody listening to this today does remember the shutdown. And, you know, the people that really rose to the top in organizations were the ones that could, I hate this word because I heard it too many times, but they could pivot. I swear, I think it's a four letter word. The people that did that were invaluable and the rate of change is just speeding up. I mean, back to the AI thing, the innovation and change that's going to happen in the next five, 10 years is going to be staggering. And the people who are able to bend, flex, pivot, shift with the times and keep their productivity and speed. That's who will rise to the top. The thing about agility, interesting you brought it up today. I went on a run day and I don't know that I can get out of my chair right now. My hamstrings are killing me. (laughs) And, you know, it reminded me of a time when I was starting some stretching because I was doing some very slow running and the stretching was harder than the running. And my youngest kid basically made fun of me for not being able to touch my toes. You know, she was little, so she could like tie herself in a human pretzel. And it it dawned on me that day, hey, William, every day you are alive, you get less flexible. Like that's a biological fact. It's also a vocational fact. We get used to the way we've always done things. We calcify. The unicorns showed an unusual bent toward trying to increase their flexibility rather than let it atrophy. It's not hard. It's just whether you will apply that habit to your life. And if you will, you will rise up out of the crowd. It also makes me think of two of the other ones that are in here. When you're talking about seeing what's coming, pivoting, and other words that are in the thesaurus along with that, anticipating, the anticipator or the prepared. So it's kind of a one-two punch there. It's being able to have kind of a an intuition And again, a a human skill, a soft skill, something that, you know, a computer can maybe predict something, but they can be dead wrong because the data is wrong and they don't know how things are going to shake out. But again, the anticipator and the prepared are five and six here. How do you see those kind of working together? Well, all 12 work together. True. 
you know, when all 12 come together, you have a unicorn, but a lot of them just sort of converge. You know, the anticipation and preparation are two very different things. Preparation is actually studying ahead of time. So, you know, what's on my calendar? Like we're hosting a meeting next week. We're a summit of, we're only bringing in eight people for two and a half days of learning together and that sort of thing. So I just spent the time before we got on here reading about each of these people, reading some of the most recent work, listening to some of the most recent talks so that I can write a little intelligent note to each of them that'll be in their basket when they get here. And it, it'll show some preparation in an effort to show some intentionality. And in that way, anticipation is similar. It's intentionality. It's the old Stephen Covey, do you begin with the end in mind? And most people don't. Not to go all recovering preacher on you, but it's amazing to me that Jesus called us sheep and people think that was a compliment. It's not. Sheep are focused on two things, the grass directly beneath them and sheep of the other gender. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they're always walking off a cliff. I just keep eating grass. I never lift my head up. And very few people look up enough to say, what is the end goal here? And how do we work backwards and build a plan from that? But the people that do stand out in the crowd. There's a lot more in this book. I think we've touched on maybe half of them, maybe. And even then we're kind of skimming through. But I really want to reiterate that these are things that are going to make you stand out, not just from other humans, but from all of the software that is being created these days. These are the differentiators. Being a unicorn is the differentiator. And I would love for people to be able to dive in deeper on this book in each of these individual habits. What's the best place for people to go, one, find out more about what you're doing and working on, and two, dive deeper into finding out more about the book? Well, the easiest thing to do, Eric, is to go to Google and just try spelling Vanderblumen. It's (laughs) that messed up a name that you can misspell it like a hundred different ways and it'll feed back to our site. On that site for our company, there are about 4,000 free resources on how you can build and run and keep a great team. So have at it. You know, if it helps you, that's great. We believe if we spend our day trying to help others, we won't run out of business. I'm yet to see that not be true. So that's the easy thing. Uh, If you want to see everything about the book, about the software assessment tool, a little bonus content, that sort of thing, go to theunicornbook.com. And uh, if you are going to work on your self-awareness, one cool thing about the book that we did anticipate is these chapters don't stack on top of one another. It's a choose your own adventure. Here are the three I need to work on. Let me do those first. Here are the three that I'm strong at. Let me work on those. So you go to theunicornbook.com and you'll find a little bit more guidance on that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Go do that assessment. That'll give you kind of a starting point and an action plan that you can then grab the book and work through it at what is a best suited, not just pace, but action plan for you individually. So perfect. William, this has been great. I can't wait to see what you do next. Obviously, you've written many books. This is just the latest one. So I can't wait to have you back and talk about the next one some point in the future. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed listening in on this conversation with William Vanderblumen about being a unicorn. I know that I enjoyed it. He's a great conversationalist. It was fun to talk with him. And ultimately, it came away with a confirmation that with all the talk of AI these days and what it can do and honestly what it can't do is that it can't replace a human. There are so many human skills 
soft skills. I don't even want to call them soft skills. It's like saying humans are soft. No, you're resilient because you're using these skills. And again, you can call these out. You can identify them. You can train for them. And in fact, you can practice and hone them. And by identifying which ones you need to do that with through the assessment that he talked about, which you can find at the link in the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com, it's a great starting point. I mean, you don't have to do all 12 at once. Start with one, two, and three, or whichever are your top three. Go there, do the assessment, grab the book. It's a great book, by the way. I mean, again, here I am saying the word unicorn many times in a podcast episode. Never thought that would happen, but it did. And I'm glad it did because it really does matter. These skills matter. So anyway, I'm I'm digressing. (laughs) Point being, hone your skills. And it all starts with self-awareness, like we said. So head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com. Grab the book, head on over to the assessment, take that, find out what skills of these 12 skills you need, these 12 habits, I should say, that you need to be honing and honestly reinforce yourself by saying, hey, some of these I'm already good at. Use that as momentum into the other ones. So all that said, if you found this conversation helpful, and I hope you did, would you do me the favor and someone else the favor of sharing this episode with them? Hit that share button wherever you're listening to this, your podcast player app of choice, or again, over on the website at beyondthetodolist.com. Share this with somebody. Let them know you were thinking of them. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode.